All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here, and it's really good to be with you. It seems like it's been a couple weeks. I was uh, at North Campus last week and just love what God's doing up there, and um, it's just been a really full couple weeks, a little bit scattered even this morning, but it's awesome uh, to be with you, and I have loved this series that we're in right now, these I Am Statements of Jesus. So um, if you're new at Parkview, I would love to especially welcome you and uh, if we've never met before, I'll be in the foyer afterwards. I would love to meet you and at least shake a hand or whatever. So, but I'm just grateful uh, that you're here today. So, um, yeah, these I am statements are just really powerful uh, kind of word pictures or metaphors that Jesus uses to try to describe who he is and what he invites us to come to him for. So a couple weeks ago, he said he was the bread of life. And uh, what a beautiful picture of how he's the one who wants to satisfy us and meet our needs. Last week we saw that Jesus said he is the light of the world. So we don't have to be a people living in darkness and fear or directionless. That he's here to show us the way, to show us his presence with us. I have especially loved walking through today's uh, I Am and it's Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And, and this is an invitation. My, my prayer today is this will be very practical for you, that you will see Jesus maybe in some new light and see yourself in some new light and show how you uh, really do need Jesus and how he would love to relate to you on a day-to-day basis. So, um, but we got to go here pretty quickly. Uh, if Jesus is the good shepherd, then that says something kind of painful about us. That means we're sheep. All right. So if I looked at the animal kingdom, I think I'd prefer mountain lion or eagle, uh, but not a sheep because sheep are not very smart. You've probably never seen a sheep trainer. You've never seen sheep tricks, uh, sheep rolling over or speaking or anything like that. So they're known to be pretty stupid. They're slow. They're defenseless. They don't have fangs or claws or venom. uh, And they're not really fast. Like they can't just like you know, or they can't fly. So there's just not a lot there. And then sheep are also easily led astray. And one of the most graphic pictures of that happened, this really happened in 2005 in Turkey. There was a, a flock of 1,500 sheep where one of them decided to go over a cliff and the other 1,499 followed. So unfortunately for the bottom 400, they died. But fortunately for the top 1,100, there was such a cushy pillow Uh, that they all survived. So all the shepherds apparently had taken a breakfast break, and that's why this happened. So that's why you need a good shepherd, all right? And so there was a time where Jesus was looking over a crowd of people, and he literally started to get sick in his stomach. His stomach churned with emotion as he was looking at them. And his statement was that he saw them, and they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And what a, what, a, what a compassionate heart we see there. And so uh, as, as maybe uh, honest and bleak as that picture is of us, as Jesus again is panning the animal kingdom, and that's where he lands in the metaphor this morning, he is a good shepherd. And again, so maybe we feel like we got the raw end of the deal of being sheep. Uh, in Jesus' day, shepherd wouldn't have been like the most sought profession. To be a shepherd was usually one of the lowest jobs. It meant long days. It meant you're with smelly, stinky, stupid sheep all the time, right? So there were many things about being a shepherd that were not glamorous, but Jesus introduces himself to us as a good shepherd. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read John 10, some verses from John 10, 
to kind of frame up our sermon this morning. And we're standing just to give God extra devotion, extra attention to his word. And then we'll pray. And then we'll, we'll preach out of this uh, amazing analogy, out of this amazing passage from John 10. So again, I'll start in John 10, 3, and kind of work not through the whole chapter, but through portions of chapter 10. It says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they follow, or for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Then jumping to verse 10, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd." For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray this morning that you would take this powerful picture, this powerful metaphor of who you are and of who we are, and that you would wake us up, that you would open our eyes, that you would show us in fresh ways who you are, you would show us in fresh ways who we are, and that you would show us in fresh ways how you want us to connect with you and relate to you because you're an awesome shepherd. So speak to us today. In your great name we pray, amen. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you for doing that. So we're gonna talk about the shepherd, the good shepherd's work the good shepherd's sheep, and the good shepherd's rewards. So Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. Literally, the word he used for good there means uh, one who is beautiful, one who is excellent, like thoroughly beautiful, wonderful, good. That's the kind of shepherd that he is to us. And in this context, he's separating himself from the religious leaders of the day. So if you've been tracking through with us in the I Am series, in chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus identifies himself, uh, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and yet in kind of pushing back against him are the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And what's happened most recently is after Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, he's just healed a blind man who is now seeing and so when he said, I am the bread of life, he fed 5,000 people. So these are not just empty words. Jesus is showing his power and authority. But in spite of that, the religious leaders still are not believing him. They're not taking him at his word for who he is. 
And they're arguing with him to the point where they even, instead of rejoicing that this blind man is now seeing, they excommunicated him. They threw him out of the synagogue, basically cutting him off from all of Jewish life at that time. So Jesus is saying, okay, there's, there's your leaders now. Like that, those are your shepherds now. I, I am the good shepherd. I am the beautiful shepherd. So there's a contrast going on here. And so as a good shepherd, there's three things we notice in the verses we read about his work. What does the good shepherd do? So first, one of the phrases we caught was that he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. This is beautiful. Uh, the, the word for know he grabbed here was not one like just know facts about or know a few details about. He grabbed the word that meant an intimate, personal knowledge. Even in this context, he said, I hope you caught it. We went through it. I know my own and they know me just as, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Guys, that, that's powerful. So just as the Son, the eternal Son of God has known his Father for all of eternity, the depth of that relationship, Jesus says, just like the Father and I know each other, I know my sheep. That's awesome. So like applying that to us, uh, he knows you. He doesn't just know about you. He doesn't just clump you as those kind of people or that kind of people. Like you are known thoroughly by him, deeply by him. Uh, he knows you by name. He lives among us. He speaks to us. So it's possible even for sheep to recognize their shepherd's voice. He wants to be known. And so Jesus is a shepherd who knows deeply and who cares deeply. So how does that play out? For example, let's say you heard that someone, just someone, uh, had chest pains and had to be rushed to the hospital. That might pause you for a second and go, oh, that's too bad. But what if you heard that somebody you really love and you know and you care deeply about, you get that text or you get that email or that phone call, Man, your heart starts pounding and you're moved to action. Man, I want to pray. Man, I want to go there. You're, you're caused. And so that's the kind of shepherd Jesus is. He knows his sheep. In Jesus' day, a good shepherd uh, would check over the sheep every night as they entered the fold. He would look for wounds. He would look for cuts or infections. And he would know those sheep and their tendency to wander off. Which ones have the hardest time following my lead? Or um, which ones are prone to get left behind? And so he just knows us deeply. That's the kind of, sheep, of shepherd uh, that he is. I um, had the privilege of doing a funeral yesterday in Iowa County and there was a little reception in Williamsburg and I'm hanging and I only knew four people at this thing and so I'm trying to just get to know some other folks had the privilege of sharing the gospel and was just kind of looking for you know some good conversations after that and so I just have a few names if I'm in Williamsburg that I could kind of drop and and maybe connect and so one of those is Zach Woods he's a football coach at Williamsburg if you remember a couple years ago when Zach got baptized here he had like 40 West or Williamsburg football players there watching his baptism the guy is like a ball of energy and so I just dropped that name and one of the one of the men just stopped and he looked at me and he goes coach Woods my, my son played football because of Coach Woods. Coach Woods used to call my son Connie 
Don't ask me why, but he gave every kid on the team his own name. If he didn't learn their name first, he'd just give you one. But, but uh, Coach Woods drove my kid to lift weights, and, and my, my kid's only 140 pounds. He ended up playing on the line because of Coach Woods. Like, what a, what a, what a, what a beautiful picture of the influence that Zach is having in Williamsburg, but what a, what, a, what a kind of a picture here of Jesus, too. You're not just like one of those out there. I think he wouldn't just give you a name. I think he knows your name, all right? So he's got a little over Zach on that. But you're, you're just deeply known and loved by your shepherd. So, so that's awesome. He knows us. Then he goes on and he shows us that this shepherd, the good shepherd, leads us. Maybe you've seen pictures. I'm not a shepherd expert or a sheep expert, but sometimes I've, in, when I've traveled, I've seen uh, little herds and shepherds. Sometimes you'll notice the kind that lead from the back, and maybe they've got a couple of dogs on the wing, like trying to keep the shepherd, you know, the sheep in line. Uh, in Jesus' day, uh, the most shepherds led from the front. Like they led by their example. They led by their voice. They led by their command. And so the sheep would learn to follow these shepherds as they would lead them to good pasture and lead them away from dangerous cliffs. And so uh, Jesus is the good shepherd who, who likes to lead, who goes first, um, who protects the sheep. You saw the contrast between the hired hands and the shepherd. The hired hand sees a wolf coming or that thief coming, and that hired hand is taken off. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Like, I'm the one that is ahead of you. I'm there to protect you. I'm there to lead you. I'm there to warn you because you're mine. I've got a vested interest in you, and I'm going to lead you. I'm going to take the first shots. I'm going to take the first hits, and I'm going to make sure that you get to where you need to go. So Jesus isn't passive. Uh, He doesn't self-protect, but he leads. He leads us courageously. And most of all, what jumps out as you read these is that he loves the sheep. He loves the sheep. As I said earlier, like so far, the I am statements had like a miracle to back them up. So I am the bread of life. He fed 5,000. I am the light of the world. He heals a blind man. Here he says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And we don't see an immediate miracle, but we see just a few months afterwards the ultimate expression of laying down a life when he went to the cross What we celebrate this week in the Passion Week is Jesus putting his love as good shepherd on full display. In fact, the New Testament uh, often will make a line from this is love and then draw the line to the cross. 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Like this is the epitome of love. Like this is the highest example of love that Jesus laid down his life for us. And so Jesus makes that clear here as a good shepherd is that he's the one who lays down his life for us, for the sheep. He makes it clear that, that my life wasn't taken from me. I do this on my own accord. It wasn't like Jesus stumbled into Passion Week and just unexpectedly got blindsided, like kidnapped and then crucified. He laid down his life. As you commemorate Passion Week this week, realize that any time in that whole process, Jesus could have stopped it. Jesus was still in charge. He was still the authority in every trial, in every beating. And as he hung on the cross, but Jesus willingly gave his life. He laid his life down for his sheep. So at this funeral yesterday, um, I, uh, again, just knew a couple folks there. And um, throughout the week of meeting with family, there were, 
I would say just humbly, some misconceptions about, okay, when we die, we all go to heaven. You know, that's just what happens. Uh, or if you earn it, or you just try hard. If you're more better than bad, then you'll go to heaven. And so I had to say this statement at the funeral yesterday, like um, heaven is, heaven is uh, filled with bad people. And I could just tell, it was, uh, like I was close enough where I could see a lot of people and they're just kind of like, who's this Johnson County guy, man? He's bringing this stuff over here to Iowa County. What's he talking about? It's like, no, it's like, no, it's like, guys, true, it's in the Bible. And, and I, already kept, I already told him, like, I'm the worst one in this batch right here. I'm the worst sinner that I know. I know myself and I know what I've thought and I know what I've done throughout my life. But uh, heaven is populated with bad people. And it's paused a little bit. And I said, but uh, our, our hope getting to heaven, is that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Like Jesus died for bad people. That's how we find eternal life. That's how a good shepherd takes his sheep who have gone astray, who have sinned, uh, who have wandered from him. Uh, that's how he rescues them uh, from sin and death. He lays down his life for us. He took the punishment we deserved because of our sin by laying down his life for us. So through him, we can be forgiven. Through him, we can know that we have eternal life. Through him, we go to heaven. He is a good shepherd for us. And so a couple things here uh, for us. He is the shepherd. He is the good one. A couple challenges. One is uh, I couldn't help but a couple times this week thinking about my role as a pastor. And so I say to any of you this morning, pastors, uh, community group leaders, elders, teachers, or maybe think about your role as parent uh, in your family. Think of different contexts where you may lead at work, you lead teams, you lead groups, or even in your friendship circles, like people look to you to lead different things. Uh, I couldn't help but a couple times just put my notes aside and just ask the Lord, what kind of shepherd am I? What kind of leader am I? Just looking at how Jesus knows his sheep. So do I listen? Do I spend time with my sheep? Do I care for my sheep? Do I lead? Do I go first? Do I lead by example? Those kind of questions. And just, I sense Jesus calling and maybe calling any of you this morning in leadership, like to lead as you've been led. Like to look at how Jesus cares for you, leads you, loves you, and to lead out of that place. Not that we drift towards being like the religious leaders of that day, leading from position and power and wanting attention. But, but what about humbly being good shepherds, leading as Jesus leads us? So uh, the good shepherd knows his sheep, leads his sheep, loves his sheep. So now let's talk for a little bit about the good shepherd's sheep, all right? And so I'm hoping that's you this morning. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus, if you have put your faith in Christ and he is your shepherd, I just want to pause first and make sure we understand like how good we've got it, okay? Our, how good our setup is having a good shepherd. So uh, this is, we're speaking here of the one who spoke and all creation came to be. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords who is choosing now to identify as a shepherd. Like he has come from just sitting on a lofty throne, looking at you from a distance, and just like rolling edict after edict upon you. He has chosen to step off of that throne and come and live in the sheep pens with us. To hang around a bunch of stinky, smelly, 
stupid sheep, right? That's who he is. The, the creator of all has come to be our shepherd. Guys, we have a great setup. And if you look at his heart, there's times in your life, if you would look at your relationship with this shepherd, there have been times where you have wandered from him. You've done your thing instead of his because you thought you knew more than him. And so you've wandered off and he's the kind of shepherd that doesn't see you just wandering off. You're like, well, good riddance. If that's gonna be you, you just go. Like we see from Luke 15, he's the guy who's gonna leave the 99 and go get you. Like, have there been times in your life where he's come and gotten you? or he's pursued you and brought you back. Maybe, are you even there? Maybe now this morning? Like you've been kind of thumbing your nose at the shepherd or you think you know more than he does and are you kind of drifting right now? Can I just tell you that if you're a wanderer, he's the kind of shepherd that, that, that just loves to pursue you. He doesn't give up on you. Uh, has he done that for you before? It, it's also possible this morning, just want to make sure you know the shepherd you got, uh, is that some of us are in here and we're wounded today. Uh, sheep do stupid things. Sometimes they hurt themselves, uh, but they're also vulnerable. Sometimes they just get hurt uh, because they're, they're kind of unprotected. And so, um, I mean, I just look around this room this morning and I know, I know stories in here. I know there's pain in here. There's been hard things in here. Um, do you understand that you have a good shepherd? Sometimes when we're wounded, we walk away or we just don't think he cares. We pull back. Um, but he is a good shepherd and he moves toward his wounded sheep. Um, look at this image from Isaiah 40. Bible's loaded with shepherd sheep analogies. Here's one. Look at Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11. It says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Yeah, man, here's our big, strong, mighty God. What does he do with that strength? Look at verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young. Guys, isn't that a powerful reminder that when you're hurting, it's not like you're too small that he can't recognize or that you're too small that he can't exert his mighty power to pick you up and carry you close and walk you through some of the hardest times in your life. Like that is your shepherd. Heard a powerful story this week and you may hear more of it at Easter next Sunday. Um, but the guy a couple years ago that was sitting in a service and God just broke through and spoke to him. His son was in the middle of about a month long stretch in um, a psych ward here at the university uh, because he was suicidal. And, and uh, he was telling me the story the other day and his son called him from school one day and said, Dad, I'm just really struggling. Uh, would you come to school? I just got to tell you what's going on. And so I, I was impressed at that. Like, wow, how cool is that that the son told the dad that? And so as the dad heard what the kid was battling with, they took him out of school. And for two weeks, they just kind of kept him right at his side. Took him to work. He slept in their room. Um, they were just kind of watching. And kind of through that time period, he said to his son, hey, if you need to get help, let's go. We can go get treatment. And the kind of son kept saying, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But then finally one night, in the middle of the night, my friend was sleeping and his son woke him up. And he said, dad, we got to go. We got to go get some help. And I just, when he told me that, I just said, man, do you realize how many stories don't go like that? Because like, sometimes in just, again, uh, that person can be in such a dark place and just believe the lies that nobody cares. I can't tell anybody. I'm going to keep this quiet. 
Like I just said, I just, I'm just so thankful to God that you had that kind of relationship with your son that he could come to you and say, Dad, let's go. Let's, let's do something about this. Guys, I just want you to know that's your good shepherd. That's what Jesus longs for you. Like for some reason, again, we're sheep, so give us a pass on that. But sometimes when we're hurting, that's one of the last places we think about going is going to Jesus. I don't know if there's shame or guilt, um, but no, the good shepherd says, just come, come to me. And so he, he's one who catches us when we're wandering. He's one who loves to grab us when we're wounded. And so uh, just, just if you could spend some time this week and, and just go to your shepherd. If you're wandering, if you're wounded, just, man, just go to him. He just, he can't wait for you to come back, all right? So we have a good shepherd, okay? That's, what are we learning about the sheep? We're, we're pretty good. We're set up well with a great shepherd. Here's two other things Jesus said. The good shepherd's sheep, listen, listen for the shepherd's voice. So I'm no expert. I've never, I don't think I've been around sheep that much in my life. But from everything I read is that uh, sheep will respond to a voice. Like they will respond to a shepherd. The closest I got is my black lab Bubba. And that's not a good test case. Like he's got his own mind sometimes. He'll know my voice. He doesn't care it's my voice. He'll just take off and do his thing, right? Except for there was a time we took him hiking and he was kind of stranded in some valley and couldn't get out, you know, on his own. He was trying to climb up and kept falling down. So like when he heard me call him then, man, I was like all his, like, help me. You know, it's like that. So moments I get that with Bubba, but it's not consistent. But what I hear is that good shepherds, man, they can get even sheep to just like rivet on and listen to their voice. And so um, that is what Jesus is inviting us into. Uh, He wants to speak to us and he wants us to hear him. And so for the next couple minutes, I'm going to open a little subject here that I don't think we talk enough about because sometimes it can get into some pretty creepy and maybe uh, dangerous places. But this whole thing about how can you hear God's voice? Like, how do you know when it's God talking to you? And does God really talk to us? In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine that for a long time was not a Christian, and this was one of his things. Like, he said, I kept hearing Christians on these TV shows talk about seeing angels every day and hearing God's voice every day through the radio talking to them. He goes, that just seemed weird to me. Like, I'm not sure that's, I can even qualify for that kind of people. And so we just kind of reassured ourselves and things like, well, there may be times where God may break in and say something, but the most consistent way to hear the voice of God is to invest time in the word of God. Like Jesus upheld this book. He, he said that everything written in this book will be fulfilled. He taught from this book. He obeyed this book. So the way you hear most consistently and most accurately from Jesus is that you invest time in this book, all right? And so I would say the biggest hurdle to us hearing from God today it's our own pace and our own schedule and the noise in our lives. Like I, that's why if you study the life of Jesus, he often broke away to quiet places. He went away and found solitude away from the distractions. He didn't even have a cell phone then, right? So, and he was still distracted. Like he had to find those quiet spots where he could talk to and listen to his father. So let me just suggest this is a rhythm kind of showing maybe what my month or what my year uh, looks like to make sure I'm in a place where I'm consistently hearing from Jesus. So you've heard me say this. 
I, I just want to, and you have yours. I'd love to hear your, the ways you do this. But I try to spend time every day in the Bible. And I call it fishing from three ponds. I'll read from a gospel. I'll read from a psalm or a proverb. And then the third reading is a kind of a free agent over a part of the Bible that maybe I haven't been in for a while. And I'll, I, I cannot do the reading plans where you're supposed to consume four chapters a day. Like that, that blows me away. It's too much. So I will read as much as it takes for me to get something from that, that pond. And when something either reminds me something about God or there's an encouragement to me or a challenge to me, man, I'll just stop and I'll just write some stuff down. I got a little moleskin and I, and I just write down. And, and after the three passages, there, there are many mornings where there's just kind of like one truth that just jumps out that I feel like God is saying to me from that. And I'll just sit on that. And then on the next page, maybe I'll just write a response to that. Like either it's a praise for something about him or it's something he's correcting me on and I'll, I'll kind of repent of something from that. But, but I try to keep that um, simple and practical, that God is talking to me and I'm writing this down and then praying it back to him. So I try to do that on a consistent basis daily. There's one day a week where I try to spread that time out to give it a little more time so I don't have to maybe go to another meeting or go to something next, but either just reflect either on that passage I'm in or something he said to me in the previous six days. Then I try to one day a month do more of like a half day kind of deal where I will just get away from here and spend a more extended time. And then there's about three times a year where, and I'll have one of these coming up in about a week or so, where I'll just go for three days. And there's uh, a cabin, Hidden Acres, up in central Iowa, just has for, for pastors to go. Man, I say stuff like this to my brother who's an engineer at Rockwell. He goes, man, it must be nice to get paid to have your quiet times like that. And so, so I realize as a pastor, I do have some flexibility to those kind of things. But what I invite you into is a rhythm where you are removing distractions, you're unplugging, and you're making sure Jesus is speaking to you. And it is in those moments that I feel like there are times where, again, it doesn't happen every day and there's not angels and voices coming out of my radio every day, but there are times where God will, will move and lead and say things to me. And so how can you tell when it's his voice or just you had a bad taco at Taco Bell the night before and you got indigestion, okay? How can you tell if this is really from him or if this is kind of coming from a dark place in your own gut or heart or whatever. So one thing you need to know is that the voice of God will never contradict the word of God. Like if he says anything to you, it's going to be consistent with what he has already said from his word. It's not like Jesus gave us, most of us, this book, but now he's going to give you something new. That's not good, all right? So that's how many cults, that's how many deceptions have happened when one person stands up and says, God told me this. And so that's why at any day in Parkview Church, what rules here is not what I say, but what this book says, right? And so if you're really wondering, okay, I feel like God told me to do this, your first thing you got to do is look in Scripture and say, does what you think God told you line up with Scripture? And then if it's something big and you're still wrestling with that, get some other people involved, all right? Some other people that love you enough to tell you, no, you're nuts. Like, that's not you. That's not God. That's you, you know? So they care enough to tell you that, um, but also are sensitive enough to know Scripture and to know you and can help you discern, uh, is, this, is this God speaking to you or not? And so 
Let me give you a couple of examples. Again, this, don't get the idea that every week Doug just has this pipeline from God and he's always talking to me. But guys, there have been some very clear and powerful times in my life where I know it has been uh, God speaking to me. So I'd say the most common one tends to be uh, for me on one of those times where uh, I'm, I'm out on a walk and I've spent some time, some extended time with him and I've been in his word and I'll just stop and ask him, God, what do you got for me? Like, what do you want me to hear from you today? And I think this maybe tends to be, this particular sheep needs to be reminded of this, and maybe it's for you too, but um, I find that so many times when I go before God, what I bring is I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. Um, there's so much more should be happening through me. And so I'll kind of come with that and and I'll, and I'll read his word, and I'll, I'll pray to him about these things. But then I'll say the most common thing I hear back from him are things like, you know what, I love you. Um, I'm with you. Um, I'm not going anywhere. You know, like, um, I keep going. You know, it's like those kind of just, just reminders or, you know, maybe a verse will come to mind about his commitment or his love. And guys, those are, those are powerful I shot in the arms. Let me give you a couple more kind of, let me give you another example. So about eight or nine years ago, um, there was a group of people that just completely blindsided me. Like I had no idea. And it led to probably one of the most painful times in my life. And so about a month or two after that, um, there's a godly couple here at Parkview that just invited me into a time of prayer with them about what happened. And um, it was one of those deals where by the end of the prayer time, we'd been praying for two hours. Like, I had no idea. It seemed like about 10 minutes. But in that time, they just kept asking me questions um, about these people. And how are you doing with them? Like, are you mad? Are you angry? Are you bitter? And so we just kept praying and t- kept taking it to God. And um, I felt the Lord say this to me. I felt him say, um, I've got them. <laughs> and that was it. Like, I didn't know if that man, he's got them and he's going to get them. You know, like he's, you know, going to start pounding them for me or, uh, or he's got them, meaning like, I love these people uh, and, and I've got them, Doug. Like I'm, I'm growing them and I'm with them. And, and uh, you know, I, I, already, I had already felt affirmed by him in that way too. But man, that was absolutely liberating to me. Like, and I, is that consistent with scripture? Yeah, we're not to carry grudges. We're not to get angry. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Uh, that was beautiful. That was, a, that was a liberating time. And, and honestly, that's been an amazing gift from God because there has not been a shred of bitterness to what happened. Like if anything, I see God's hand in what happened. So, uh, but that was, that was a moment. And so uh, please don't close that box so tight that God will never talk to you. Like he loves you and he would love to speak to you. Um, in fact, he wants that to happen so much that when we become Christians, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into our lives. And John 16, 13 says, one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us is that he brings to mind things that Jesus has said. He's not going to speak on his own initiative, Jesus says, but the Holy Spirit will remind you of things that I've taught. So isn't that cool? So I'd say you want to hear the voice of God, get in his word in an undistracted way regularly, okay? Let him speak to you in that way. Spend time where you're talking to him, you're praying to him, and then listening. Okay, God, what do you have for me today? And you just watch and see if he's not going to maybe bring to mind stuff that you've been reading in the word. 
And then there may be occasions where you're at a crossroads, you're in a hard place where you may just sense the voice of God teaching you a truth that's in scripture. But that's your shepherd wants you to hear from him, right? He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to know him as much as he knows you. So, uh, so his, the, the, his sheep hear his voice and then we, we got to keep moving here. So his, his sheep follow him. His sheep follow him. They don't just listen, but they do what he says. So John 14, 21, Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What a beautiful promise. Like if you want intimacy with your shepherd, you listen to his voice and then you do what he says. And Jesus says, and I will show myself to you. I will lead you as your good shepherd. All right, so um, this may or may not stick with you, but this was something that was helpful for me this week too. I, I was going through all this shepherd sheep and me and relationship with Jesus and I had fun with this. I took my journal and I just wrote at the top of a page, um, what, Jesus, what is it like to shepherd me? What is it like to shepherd me? And just kind of think through. And there were some really cool thoughts that came from that. First of all was to think how long in my life he has been my shepherd. I thought through high school days, college days, single days, married days, you know, different seasons in ministry. He's been constant leading me in my life. Like that was a beautiful thought. But then even to just think through, well, like literally just picturing a literal shepherd and sheep, like the times that sheep had to be just frustrating. Like, why is he going off again? Like, why is he wandering again? Like, were there just, what are those times in my life where Jesus had that experience with me? Or what are the times where, um, uh, where he applauded, you know? Or where there was just a big smile on his face because you're, you're following him and um, your eyes are locked onto him, and you're doing what he's saying. I'm just trying to think of those moments, or, or um, maybe the times he just laughed. <laughs> you're like, are you kidding me? You're going to do that? Like just, it just took me to some good places, you guys, about how faithful and how patient uh, Jesus is as your shepherd. And it led me to ask him this, even right now, how is it to lead me right now? Like, where is, where is my heart right now? Like, are my eyes locked on you, Jesus? Just kind of, kind, of, kind of did a panorama of my life from the view of the shepherd who is committed to me and loves me. And guys, that took me to some good, good spots, some good reminders, some maybe fired up some cold spots in my life. But it got me just reoriented on, am I really following this amazing shepherd? So I don't know if that doesn't work for you, I'm not offended. But it was a, it was some, there were some cool moments for me in that. So, um, so the good good shepherd sheep, man, we have a great setup and we need to listen to him. We need to follow him. All right. So the rewards are, we're just going to hit these quick. John 10, 10, guys, a beautiful voice, a beautiful verse. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full. There are going to be times where as following Jesus, it's not going to make any sense to you. Um, there's things you're going to want to do. There's things the world is telling you are better. But Jesus says, if you follow me, then I will give you life. I will give you life to the full. So I had the privilege last weekend uh, with a team of just great leaders from uh, this church who work with junior high and high school kids. And I feel like at that age and maybe older and maybe for all of us, uh, to trust God with our sexuality is a huge one. Like, does God really know what he's talking about when he says, save sex for marriage? 
Like, are you kidding me? Like, the rest of the world's doing that different. Or, or husband and wife and the, the roles that God calls us to there in a marriage. It's like, are you serious? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But in years of doing counseling, in years of doing premarital counseling, the weddings I've done in my own uh, story by the grace of God, God knows what he's talking about. That, that it's an abundant life and the places in our lives where there's going to be the greatest regret is when we do things our way instead of his. And I see that no more painfully expressed, I feel like, uh, than in the way we handle our sexuality, the way we handle relationships. And so um, in that statement, I just love that. Anytime you're talking about following Jesus, he said, I came not to put a bunch of rules on you and then laugh at you when you can't hit those rules, or I came to give you a standard that's gonna make you look stupid to the rest of the world. Jesus says, no, I came to give you life and life to the full. Like you, you watch the abundant life that comes when you follow your shepherd. So uh, that's, that's one amazing reward and promise as he promises to fulfill us. And then I love the end. I just want to read the last four verses over us as a church. John 10, 27 to 30. Uh, and this is the reward of eternal life. All right. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I used to, the guy that taught me to share my faith with people was a friend of mine at, at Dallas Seminary. And for fun, this guy would say, let's go downtown Dallas and just talk to people about Jesus. And I was scared to death, and I would go, and I would just watch him do it so naturally. And he taught me so much. But this verse was one of my favorite visual um, illustrations he used to give people because people had a hard time truly believing that Jesus would save sinners and that he would keep them forever. And so the picture he used to say was out of that passage we just read is that um, when you put your faith in Jesus, it's like you are in his hand and his hand is strong and no one is ever going to take you out of Jesus' hand, all right? But then he says, but then the Father you're in the Father's hand too. No one is mightier than the Father. So then he would take his other hand and cup it right there. And he'd say, I and the Father are one. He says, and here you are right in the midst of those two powerful hands. And you're not, no one's taking you away. No one is snatching you from the hands of the good shepherd. Guys, isn't that a beautiful picture? Because we're stupid sheep. Like even after we say, Jesus, I believe you, I want you to be my shepherd. Man, the next day, you could go and do something really stupid, right? And so you would just kind of expect, you're going to get plucked out of that hand, right? You're not going to be like secure in that hand. But that's exactly the shepherd you follow. And that gift of eternal security, eternal life is an amazing privilege of just crying out to our shepherd. So I'm going to close with this. When Hannah was little, uh, we used to do daddy dates. We lived on the east side of Iowa City, and Petland used to be one of her favorite places to go. And out of all the places in Petland, her favorite place to go was one of those mouse cages where they, it seems like they throw like 80 billion mice in this one little thing, right? 
And so she would just get a kick out of, like, we'd just start watching one of them and watch, like, the one mouse and all the stupid things they do. Like, so, for example, there'd be this little pile of sleeping mice, and this one guy would just come and just burrow in with them and wake everybody else up, and they're all looking at him. So she'd get a kick out of that. Or um, the, the, the mouse who would, like, there's one mouse in the wheel spinning, and there'd be always some guy that's trying to crawl on the outside. And so when the guy on the inside would start spinning, he'd get launched, and she would just howl, laughing. You know, like, so that was cheap daddy date right there, just watching mice do stupid things. All right, so let's, let's paint this picture. Let's say, and there's a, there's a segment of our world today that looks at what we do and what we believe as followers of Jesus as being pretty stupid. Like, sheep would be a good description. So let's say that kind of for fun, uh, somebody who just kind of didn't get all this would come and let me just watch those people at Parkview. Let me, let me just watch them throughout the week. Kind of, ha-ha, let's watch the stupid things they're going to do and believe. But let's say as they looked, they saw um, normally stupid sheep, normally stupid mice, like doing some amazing things, like walking confidently, walking courageously, walking boldly, and not nipping at each other, but really like kind of caring and deferring to each other. Uh, blessing the other flocks around them, like doing some incredibly wise, smart things, like just, you would just be stunned. Like, wait, are these sheep? Like, they're seriously doing all that? They're usually weak and vulnerable and stupid, and like, you can't trust them. And like, so what's going on? And then they would look in the middle of this flock, and they would see the most amazing shepherd who just has control over all this, who's loving us, who's teaching us, who's leading us, and who's empowering us to show the world we have an amazing shepherd. And Jesus says, uh, I have sheep of other folds that I need to bring in here. And Jesus would turn us outward to go get more sheep so that they could come and meet uh, the good shepherd. Let me pray. Let me pray for us. Uh, Jesus, help us grasp um, this whole concept, starting with how needy we are as sheep, how desperate we are to be led and loved. And then just drop us to our knees before who you really are. Good shepherd who has laid down his life for us, who has come to live among us. You know us. You care about us. When we wander, you bring us back. When we're wounded, you heal us and strengthen us. And so may we truly be a flock of sheep that this world would just be amazed. How do those people live with such confidence and boldness and generosity and compassion and that they would look beyond us to see the shepherd who is leading us and loving us so well. Thank you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.